Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to the Big Cruise Podcast. Welcome to episode 20 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz and I am your host. And in this week's show, we'll shortly be chatting to Chris Frame about maritime history and cruise news. Chris will also help us out to answer a listener question, listener question sorry, from Ella. And then later in the show, we'll also be joined by Pete from Clear. He's going to be talking about some of the five ports that you really should consider a ship's shore excursion before we're joined by a very special guest, brand ambassador and Emmy Award winner, Seth Wayne from Holland America Line. will be talking all things hell. Now, if you want to get involved with the show, whether it's a listener question or you want to review a cruise holiday, simply visit our website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. Click on join the show and send the details through to me and we'll be happy to get you involved. But without further ado, let's get straight into the show. And once again, it's that time of the show. We welcome back our good friend, maritime historian, Chris. Welcome to this week's show. Thanks so much, Barry. Good to be back. Yes. And uh, as we always do, let's hit straight into that maritime history. Well, yes, last week we spoke about the fantasy class because, of course, two of the fantasy class ships are sadly at the scrapyard in Turkey mm-hmm. being broken up uh, at the end of their careers. And so people have been mentioning to me, what about the other ones that you see in the pictures? And those two ships, because there's four in total that are currently yep. undergoing dismantling, um, those two ships are from the Sovereign class, which is, I suppose, the the rival class that um, competed with the early fantasy ships. Uh, but for Royal Caribbean instead of um, Carnival. The Mm -hmm. uh, Sovereign class is quite an interesting class of ships because they are considered to be uh, the first mega cruise ships uh, of the sort of modern cruising era. And that's because these ships were purpose-built for cruising. They weren't uh, converted ocean liners like many of the ships up until the 1980s were. Um, And they were over 70,000 tons, which, of course, by today is you know, mod- modest size, but back then mm-hmm. it was it was considerable. Um, there's three of them in the class. The first one, uh, Sovereign class, so you can guess, Barry, that the uh, first one probably shared the name. Um, <laughs> it was the Sovereign of yep. the Seas, uh, and she came into service in 1987. Uh, she was followed by the Monarch of the Seas in 1991 and the Majesty of the Seas the following year, 92. And Monarch and Majesty were were slightly altered, a little bit um, different on their forward superstructure with uh, a, a more glass at the front for where they have the uh, the famous uh, Royal Caribbean Windjammer Cafe at the top of the ship for the, um, oh, yep, the yep. Uh, self-service buffet there. Now, um, Sovereign herself, she was probably the most recognizable of them because she was the first one that came in of this class, first one to be in this um, mega ship sort of category. She was the largest passenger ship in the world, um, exceeding the Norway which sailed for Norwegian Cruise Line, which was originally built as the France. It was a converted ocean liner. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, 
And these ships were actually built at the same yard as the Norway, as, as, the, as the France was built. And they were built at Le Chantier de l'Antique in Saint-Nazaire in France, which is a very famous shipping line, uh, sorry, shipbuilder that uh, has built some of the most famous ships in the world. Um, sovereign and monarch and majesty, they all introduced another um, feature. It was kind of like something that had been on a previous Royal Caribbean ship, but had been sort of taken to the next level here on this class. And that's the Viking Crown Lounge in the funnel. Now, oh, yes, Song yep. of America had its um, previous um, Royal Caribbean ships had a smaller version of it, but these ones is, is a huge sort of very commanding, bulky glass uh, structure in the middle of the funnel. So you can definitely see that when you see pictures of them. Even at the scrapyard, you can still see those those big lounges there sitting on the funnel. Um, in 2008, Sovereign went across, Sovereign of the Seas went across to Pumantur and was um, renamed Sovereign. Um, in 2013, she was joined by Monarch of the Seas, which was again renamed Monarch, leaving just Majesty of the Seas with Royal Caribbean. Um, it was said that she was going to move across as well, but uh, that never happened. So Majesty of the Seas is still in, in service. So, I mean, still active with Royal Caribbean, um, has actually been in the UK recently. So she's been, um, you know, sort of been seen by ship spotters over there. Um, and as yet, there's no plans to withdraw her from the fleet. Uh, a few other things that are quite interesting about these ships is that they were among the first to introduce uh, very large-scale atriums, which, of course, these days is um, commonplace um, on yeah. ships. You'll also notice by the external profile, lots of balconies compared to previous cruise ships, which, of course, again, these days, very important to have balcony accommodation for all category, you know, sort of grades of um, cabins. Um, and this was sort of what, I guess, triggered uh, the response by Carnival with the Fantasy class, and also, um, you know, Princess was another brand that was competing with uh, uh, for the market. As well. so, you had this sort of first wave of these big cruise ships all competing for for the, for the uh, tourist dollar back in the late eighties and early nineties, which sort of drove the industry forward. Brilliant, yeah, and uh, some of them starting to see the the end of their career, of course. Now we do have a listener question, and that actually ties in quite nicely with the, the maritime history theme. Mm-hmm. Um, Ella wrote in last week saying, uh, "Brilliant content! I love the weekly upload. Thank you very much." Mm. Um, she also asked um, a specific question for you, saying that um, please ask Chris when he refers to ocean liners and cruise ships. But what is the technical difference? Mm-hmm. Is Pacific Aria a superliner as she's painted like the old ships of the past, while Pacific Dawn and Pacific Explorer are painted like modern day cruise ships? Ah, oh, that's a good question. Um, and it's, yeah, one that's quite close to my heart because there is a difference between um, ocean liners and cruise ships. So I'll start off by saying that Pacific Aria is not an ocean liner. She is a cruise ship. Um, the reason being is because the ship was um, originally designed for Holland America line to offer mm-hmm. cruise voyages, not not line voyages. So the real re- sort of basic definition behind an ocean liner is a ship that was designed to undertake a line voyage between point A and point B over an expansive ocean. So that's sort of the best way to visualize it, I guess. So the most famous line voyage probably is the transatlantic. It's because mm-hmm. the Titanic was doing the transatlantic. So everybody kind of knows about these ocean liners going from Britain to um, to America, but also Europe to America and Canada and that sort of thing. Now, these ships were designed to operate as a mode of transport. You would board the ship, you'd do your voyage, and you would end up somewhere at the end of it, not back at the port where you started. And it was, before jet aircraft, it was the only real way to travel between continents. Um, there was, of course, propeller-driven airplanes, but you had to stop many times. Only the very, very wealthy or very brave would fly on um, non-pressurized uh, propeller-driven <laughs> aircraft that flew under the weather. So um, ocean liners were the way that you would move around. Now, cruise ships date back uh, all, almost as, uh, as long as ocean liners, uh, all the way back to the, um, the 19th century, but they're very different in terms of their design. And there were very few cruise ships up until uh, just recently, I suppose, in the last sort of uh, 30 or 40 years. Um, most of the ships were ocean liners. Now, cruise ships designed to undertake pleasure voyages, usually going port to port from a central hub. Um, sometimes with world cruises, obviously, they do go around the world, but most of the big cruise ships will be based in a certain city and do a cruise out of that city and then come back. Uh, and generally, they're designed to undertake voyages in relatively calm waters 
between these various different ports. So like the Caribbean, of course, that's not the case when it's hurricane season, but in the good weather, <laughs> that's what you're doing in the Mediterranean, that sort of thing. You're not going on this voyage because you're trying to get to a destination. You're going because you're trying to have a, a, a cruise holiday. Now, most of the ocean liners were, or the famous ones that you'll, Ella might recognize, um, were paint, painted with a, a either a navy blue or a black or a dark gray hull and a white superstructure. Uh, this has got quite a lot to do with the fact that the ships are being bashed and battered by the, the weather. So the, the, the darker hull paint would hide imperfections in the painting of the ships, much nicer than a, than a lighter color. Uh, but it also helped to retain heat uh, on the hull of the ship. Uh, cruise ships, slightly different. They've often got hull art on board. They might have, you know, like the Norwegian cruise line ships have the beautiful um, paintings on the sides of the ships, or they might be painted white uh, with some decoration. The reason why Pacific Aria has the dark blue hull is because that's Holland America's paint colors. And she was actually a Holland America ship. And when she moved across to P&O, they added the P&O decals to the front of the ship. They sort of like a, some stars, I think, if I remember yep, correctly. Yep. Yep, uh, and the tagline on the back, but they left the hull dark blue, so she looks a little bit different than the other ships. It's nothing to do with her design so much as just the fact that she was still wearing her her previous owner's dark blue hull color. So I hope that answers the question. A bit of a roundabout way to get there, but if you're if you're thinking about ocean liners, um, currently the the most famous one obviously is Queen Mary Two. She was designed to be a true ocean liner. She can undertake line voyages. She's designed to spend 40 plus years doing the transatlantic crossing as part of her service. Um, there's also a few others that were sailing with CMV. The Marco Polo, for example, was a, a, oh, yeah. a former Soviet ocean liner that's been retained as a, as a sort of cruise ship, but she's still got the ocean liner design. Uh, and then there's also the Astoria, which started its career um, as an ocean liner uh, by the name of Stockholm and actually was quite famous uh, in that role, because it was the ship that collided with the Andrea Doria. Oh wow! And whilst Andrea Doria sank, yeah, I know. Whilst Andrea Doria sank, the 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 uh, Stockholm survived, and she went on to be rebuilt as a as a cruise ship. But she still has that ocean liner hull. Um, so they're not in operation at the moment. Obviously, CMV has um, wound up operations, but they do still exist. So technically, there are three that you could potentially sail on once the cruise ports comes to an end. Brilliant. Very informative. Uh, Thank you. Now, we've got a bit of cruise news. It's not been that busy a week with uh, cruise news, but first of all, a few cruise lines have extended their pause. Let's start with Holland America mm -hmm. Line. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, because um, we seem to hear so much about um, the different cruise lines that are restarting cruising around the world, but at the same time, many of the cruise lines are still being very cautious and extending their cruise cruise pauses uh for you know the foreseeable future so holland america line has extended its pause for its fleet through to the middle of december 15th of december okay um then these are all holland america line seaborne pando they're all companies that are part of the carnival corporation so seaborne is the next one um that has also announced extensions but they're doing it at a bit more staggered pace than holland america so the longest pause is going to be for uh, currently going to be for Seaborne Sojourn uh, because her world cruise for next year has been um, postponed. So okay. she'll she'll be out of service the rest of this year. Uh, uh, Seaborne Ovation is paused until December of 2020, and Seaborne Encore until November of 2020. Now this might give us some indication as to how they're planning to recommence voyages longer term because. I think it's going to be a staggered, you probably see it throughout the industry, it'll probably be a staggered yeah. re recommencing of cruising Agreed. anyway. So that kind of makes sense to do it like that. Um, P&O in the UK, because there's two P&O cruising brands, there's the UK brand and the Australian brand. The UK brand has pushed their pause back through to the 12th of November uh, for the majority of their fleet, which of course would include the brand new yet to be put into service Iona. Uh, but they've also cancelled two ships voyages right the way through until 2021 and that's uh, aurora and arcadia which are now their smallest ships uh in the fleet but they're also the ones that do the world or long distance voyages oh, okay. so those yeah so there's like world voyages that arcadia was going to do and the long long duration cruise that um, aurora was going to do they require 
you know, the ship to go to various different countries and jurisdictions and all that sort of stuff. And with so much uncertainty, I suppose it makes sense that those voyages won't be going ahead. Yeah. Then moving away from, yeah, because you remember like at the beginning of this year, sort of February, March, when the coronavirus was taking off, um, the, the, uh, different cruise lines had to keep cancelling sections of their world cruises because firstly different countries in Asia were being affected and then when they came down to Australia the Australian cruise ban came into place and that sort of thing so yeah it would be very difficult to try and plan a 2021 world cruise <laughs> without knowing what the restrictions were, were going to be For sure so if we're going to move away then from Carnival Corporation the other one is Viking uh, cruises which has cancelled um, their voyages right the way through to the end of 2020 um, but at the same time, Vikings got some some good news. You might have heard. Yeah, did you? Um, well, I steal your thunder <laughs> <laughs> by uh, by saying that uh, their newest ship that's due out in 2022, they've now given a name to. Did you want to be the one to reveal it, Barry? No, you can do the job. I've got it here. Okay, it's Viking Mars. Yep. So there we go. A nice uh, a nice sort of space themed name there, and. Uh, and a new name for the new ship, and of course, around new ships with with unnamed ships, there's always a lot of uh, a lot of rumors floating around. So I guess now, all the Viking cruise fans will know what their newest member of the fleet's going to be called. Yeah, because there was lots of rumors that it was going to be Viking Talus for a long time, but uh, Mars has uh, pipped it to the post. Mm, well, I suppose it's probably just a, a, a name that people might recognize a little bit easier. Uh, Mars being, um, you know. A planet that people talk about quite a lot in terms of uh, interplanetary <laughs> space travel and that sort of thing, so you can then uh, enjoy that on a on a Viking cruise. Sure. And I think the Vikings, one of the, the the cruise lines out there, that part of their enrichment program sometimes does include um, onboard astronomy and uh, and that sort of thing. So that could be quite fun too. Okay, um, Silver Sea Cruises have chartered Silver Spirit to an unusual um, charterer, I guess. Yeah, so Red Sea Cruises is going to be operating her from the 27th of August, and it's going to be doing voyages uh, in Sa- or out of Saudi Arabian ports for um, people who live in Saudi Arabia to, I guess, travel locally without having to travel overseas or internationally. So um, it sounds a bit strange going on a cruise to not, to not go overseas, but you're going to um, be able to travel between, well, people who are living in the area there will be able to travel in between um, those Saudi ports on board the ship without um, having to leave their local jurisdiction. So again, this, I I suppose, um, falls into something we've spoken about in previous podcasts and that uh, countries will likely start to open up cruising by having domestic cruises Mm -hmm. before the widespread international cruises start. We've seen that throughout um, the river cruising. We've seen it attempted in, in Europe, um, Obviously, it's still going ahead in um, in Taiwan, for example, with Dream Cruises, uh, and now here, uh, Red Street Cruises using Silver Spirit. So, um, and again, Silver Spirit, Silver Sea, very luxurious brand. It'll be a very nice experience for those people who who choose to go on that voyage. Staying in the Royal Caribbean group, um, two of the five new builds have actually been delayed. Yes, yeah, so two of five ships that are under construction will not see their originally advertised delivery dates again wouldn't be surprised it's not surprising news by any means Uh, but basically what we're going to see is that celebrity beyond and wonder of the seas which are perhaps the most uh, significant of those new builds in terms of size and scale Mm -hmm. uh, their construction is being slowed and they'll be delivered in 2022 Um, the rest of the new builds that are under underway will still be delivered between sort of now and the end of 2021 Um, so yeah, I mean, the shipyards have all been impacted by COVID-19 just as much as the cruise lines have. Uh, so there's delays on, on, on both ends there. But again, as the cruise lines ramp up, they don't really need all that capacity. So I don't suppose it's a huge uh, concern for them to be able to push that back a little bit. Yeah. And last but by no means least, there's a, a rumor going around. So allegedly, um, Holland America's Veendam has had a name change. Yeah, so as we spoke about, Holland America has recently um, said farewell to four of their much loved ships. There's the Amsterdam and the Rotterdam, um, which have left the fleet to go across to start a new life with Fred Olsen cruisers. Uh, and then there's the Veendam and the Mastdam. Um, Veendam is the one that I think you're referring to. And she mm-hmm. made a voyage across to, to Greece um, and has been alongside. But if you look on the marine tracker or voyage tracker software, just Google marine tracker and you'll find it. 
and go to um, the search function and search for Veendam. You'll find her there. But then as you hover over the um, ship's icon, you'll see the name Aegean Majesty come up. Um, and her uh, port of registration shows as Bermuda, which is a bit of a change for that particular ship. Now, there's still not any official confirmation as to who the new owner is. Um, and it has been reported in Greece and also by various different um, cruising outlets now that uh, the ship's name has changed. Um, so you can see it for yourself, obviously, if you go to that um, that marine tracker. But uh, who should be sailing for under that name uh, is yet to be formally announced. So watch this space. And at the same time, there's a lot of chatter going around um, that Mastam may also end up in Greece as well uh, to become a... Uh, well, to join a, a Greek ferry service. So how exactly they'll implement her into that, given that she's you know, a cruise ship, not designed for um, necessarily for the ferry services, um, it w- will be interesting to see. But I think one of the things that's uh, interesting about these two particularly is that they are among the smaller of the ships that were in the Carnival Corporation. They're, um, for anybody who's in, in the UK, they're about the size of Vasco da Gama, which you might have seen in local waters. Uh, Australians will probably... Um, recognize the class from uh, Pacific Aria, which we spoke about earlier. They're all from the the same Staten Dam class. Uh, and so they probably would be able to fit into various different cruise lines much easier than some of the bigger ships that that, uh, that have been recently sold as well. Yeah, I think a couple of weeks ago, I read that uh, one of the P&O UK ships had also been sold to a, a Greek um, ferry company as well. Yes, Oceana. Um, so she left the fleet uh, a few weeks ago now, probably a couple of months ago almost, um, very quickly departed Southampton after the announcement was made and went uh, into the Mediterranean and she ended up in, in Greece as well. So um, she, again, there's not been that much uh, information about what's going on with her at the moment, but presumably she'll be uh, given a, a, a refit and, and put into service once the, once the um, travel restrictions ease up. And Greece is one of the jurisdictions which is trying to open up um, cruising again. I think we spoke about that in a previous yeah, yeah. Um, podcast. So it could well be a good place for these ships to to start a new life. Brilliant. Um, it has been a, a, a busiest week this week. Have you had any chance to do any videos for your socials? So I'm having a bit of a delay with my video this week because I took on a history project, which is uh, a little oh, bit wow. bigger than what um, my recent ones have been. It, it'll be up um, very early next week, I, I would imagine. Um, it is looking okay. at two ships that shortened World War II. And that sounds like oh. a very sort of dramatic claim, you know, how could two ships possibly shorten World War II? Well, these two particular ships, they um, actually transported over half uh, of the divisions that participated in the D-Day landings, just between the two ships. So, okay. um, and look, anybody who knows who knows me can probably guess which uh which two ships these are, but uh, if you're interested in finding out, check out my YouTube channel next week. Okay, and we can talk about it next week and put it in next week's show notes as well. Well, actually, probably, Chris, by the time that uh, some people listen to this, it probably already be live. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Chris, it's always a pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. We'll speak to you again next week. Thanks so much, Barry. Have a good week. Podcast is not possible without the help of our good friends at cruisefinder.com.au. Uh, they have more than 30,000 different cruises live on their website, many with live availability and pricing. But most importantly, each and every call, chat, and email is answered here in Australia by Australian clear accredited cruise specialists. So when you're looking for your next cruise, please consider the team at cruisefinder.com.au. And next up, it's my pleasure to welcome back Pete from Clear um, to uh, this week's show. Pete, great to have you back. Thanks, Bears. Good to be back. And this week, you've got five ports you recommend you should do a shore excursion in. Tell us more. Okay, so I am a big believer in, in taking the cruise line shore excursions, not because of my past history, <laughs> but um, look, there there are so many factors that come into the time and, and quality and you know guarantee assurance and logistics and all, all that you know it's a no-brainer you know most of the time yes you'll pay a bit more but then there's there's so much that you're getting for that a uh, little bit extra but anyway let, let's talk about the excursions five ports well i cheated on number five i actually chose alaska as a region okay <laughs> um mainly because 
the port themselves, you know, when you're going to Ketchikan, Sitka, Juno, Skagway, which is literally one street. Yeah. Home, these, these are very small ports that you can navigate in an hour. So even when your tour returns, if you do a half-day tour, you still have that time. But um, to, to really embrace the Alaskan landscape, or fauna, flora, you need to go out. Um, there's a lot of operators and there's small operators. I mean, we're talking, you know, the infrastructure is quite small. So it's the one area in the world I really get uh, customers to book their excursions early because there will be limits. It's not like Italy when you've got 16 buses available. Mm -hmm. You might only have two available to that certain area and so forth. So, But the variety of tours are uh, immense. The, The scope is unbelievable. So Alaska as a whole, I'd really recommend a shore excursion. You'll always get to explore the port on your own a little bit later. Yeah, I always say with Alaska, particularly if you want to do um, dog sledding, float planes, helicopters, anything like that. Obviously, there's there's a very, very limited number of seats a year. Railroad, air, water, you've got it. (laughs) (laughs) And number four? Number four, one of of my favourite ports in the world is Reykjavik uh, in Iceland. I mean, look, the city itself is interesting. It's very cosmopolitan and modern. But the real value of a visit here is, you know, the external natural landscape, which is best done or only done on tour because it's quite an you know, expansive areas. And, you know, they call it the Golden Triangle. You've got the geysers and the glaciers and waterfalls. And, and the landscape, look, I've been very fortunate to have traveled so extensively, but I've never seen anything like this on the planet, you know. Um, the forces of nature over past, you know, they, they work from the deep fjords to the, these volcanic geothermic activities and what ends up is this hodgepodge of um, terrain that you've just never witnessed on earth it is an unbelievable experience go on tour go experience it in Reykjavik okay it's just gone onto my list for sure number three number three look I really wanted to include an Asian city so I've chosen Ho Chi Minh okay um there are people out there that are self-explorative. They've got a lot of um, experience in doing it. Uh, they understand uh, how to orientate themselves, use uh, landmarks and so forth. But Asia, I've just found through my experience, uh, particularly on board, it, it's a little th- uh, frightening for passengers. That You've got the traffic, you've got the language barriers, the logistics. So a tour really uh, takes away all those pressures uh, particularly in Ho Chi Minh, if you ever tried to cross the road there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, definitely pre-book some tour. You don't have to necessarily pre-book. The infrastructure is large enough that uh, you'll be able to change once you're on board. But uh, definitely a touring region. But Ho Chi Minh is a great uh, place to take shore excursions. What's your top pick to go to on a, a shore excursion out of Ho Chi Minh? Uh, most of them will in- include... Um, the old quarter and you'll get to go on a rickshaw Mm -hmm. and uh, there's different things the puppetry theater look there's got the attractions as well Um, I just love embracing myself into the city culture yep yep that's a it's a beautiful city got a lot to offer for sure Uh, number two number two I've chosen Alexandria in Egypt so a lot of ships uh, it was uh, becoming very popular uh, in um Eastern Mediterranean itineraries. Uh, they generally spend two days there, but it might be one day. Now, look, most of the people, 80% of the ship or passengers will go out to Cairo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is a three-and-a-half-hour drive one way. Right. So there's seven hours out of your day, throw in a bit of lunch, and then all of a sudden you're running between uh, the pyramids and all the highlights and the museum. Um, a lot of people like to stay in Alexandria itself. Now, um, don't feel that's a lesser. Uh, of course, you've got, the, you know, bucket list items uh, in Cairo, but Alexandria is really fascinating. It's got an underground sort of uh, city, catacombs, you've got Roman theatres, of course, you've got the library, which is obviously the old library, but uh, it's still uh, architecturally uh, and engineering-wise quite stunning. And of course, anywhere in Egypt, it is a fascinating place, but it is safer with tours. In fact, you'll find a lot of the tours escorted by uh, police front and back. Yeah. Uh, of the, the, the transport. Uh, that doesn't mean there's something unrest going on. It's just in, built into their government laws. Yep. But uh, so uh, it's a fascinating place. Don't let it stop you. Go out. You're very safe on the tours. They're very well protected. Um, but if, you know, if I'm going to do top five ports, you need a port <laughs> excursion, uh, it'll definitely be that. Okay. And number one? 
Number one, the port, and I don't know if I've mentioned it on the show before, but the port where, as a ex shore excursion manager, we had the most uh, options for tours. Okay, uh, and that was Saint Petersburg in Russia. Of course. So in the old days, we used to name our tour tour A, tour B, tour C, tour D with a description. <laughs> And for this tour, we actually ran out of the alphabet, and then we had to go into numbers. Oh, wow. So we had about 36 to 40 various tours uh, through Peterhof, Catherine's Palace, uh, whatever it may be, Church of Spilt Blood, uh, some of the museums, unbelievable areas. So uh, the extent is there. Uh, in the old days, your tour ticket doubled up as your visa. That's right, yeah. Uh, that rule has changed lately. I'm not like, quite sure as to, I know there's a 48 hour time limit, but I'm not sure if you still got to do your Shorex, but look, it's a no brainer because um, there are so many sites and, uh, you know, when you're talking logistics, they're actually spread quite fast. So for, to go from Peterhof to the Hermitage to Catherine's Palace in a day is probably not the most sensible because of the, the distance between them. Yep. Um, and then again, it depends on your interest. So you've got a whole range of matrixes there that you can combine with to do different tours. So St. Petersburg is definitely uh, a port that I'll be uh, pre-booking, researching uh, shore excursions. And of course, most cruise lines normally spend two or sometimes three days there. So there's obviously an abundance of choice exactly. there for that reason. Pete, it is always a pleasure. We'll have you back next week for five more uh, topics. Okay, thanks, Bez. When you're packing for your next cruise, maybe consider a new pair of handmade sandals to go. Uh, Evolcus are handmade in Spain and sold with love here in Australia by sandalsandsunsets.com.au. You'll find all the details in the show notes below. And next up on the podcast, we are very pleased to, uh, to introduce our first Emmy Award winner, our first weatherman, and also more recently known as the chief storyteller and brand ambassador for Holland America Line, Seth, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much. So good to be here. Thanks for asking me to be a part of this. I'm really excited. Oh, my pleasure. Absolutely. Always always great to talk to anybody who's a big cruise fan. And of course, cruise is a very important part of your life. But before we get to talking about Holland America, just tell us a little bit about yourself for those people that don't maybe don't know you. Yeah, it's so good to be here. And I will tell you that it has been an interesting start to Holland America Line. Um, I have loved cruising ever since I can remember growing up in South Florida, the home of cruising, been to the Caribbean so many times, and then uh, launched my way into different uh, sectors of cruising. I went to college for uh, weather and broadcasting. And for the last 20 years, I have been a part of different television stations across the United States. And I've worked in Alaska, I've worked in Kansas, I've worked in Arizona and Oregon, and finally here in Seattle, where I teamed up with a lot of stories with Holland America Line. And there they have given me some great opportunities in telling the story about Seattle's hometown cruise line. And they thought I did it so well. They offered me a job. And now I really have the best job there could be. Even though the world is a bit crazy right now, I will tell you that, yes, I still love my job and have one of the best in the business. It certainly sounds like it. Absolutely. And of course, Holland America has got so much history. Um, mm -hmm. People may or may not know that Holland America is the second oldest cruise line in the world, so going all the way back to 1873 to its roots in Rotterdam. Can you condense that 170-ish years down into a couple of minutes to tell us a little bit about the, the history of hell? Yeah, I'd love to. And something that is so unique for any kind of cruise line is its history. And by far and by none, we have some of the most incredible stories that follow us way back to 1873. As you mentioned, we were a passenger service line that went from Holland to America. And that is why we have our name as Holland America Line. Started off with a Rotterdam one and it looked very, very old. I mean, when you look at pictures, it was a pretty <laughs> stunning ship from back in the early 1870s until now where we are coming out with the Rotterdam 7, which is going to be a state-of-the-art, absolutely fantastic cruise ship that uh, we have not seen the likes before. So it really is going to be a stretching from what Holland America Line was to the Holland America Line that is today. But we did start off in Rotterdam and our original headquarters, if you could believe it, is still in Rotterdam to this day. It's now a hotel called the Hotel New York. And that is where uh, people from all ages 
spent their money and transited from Holland to America and ended up at Ellis Island in New York City and back and forth. It was then about 50 years later, we turned into a cruise company itself instead of a transport company. And then we have obviously evolved since then. So the SS Rotterdam, which is now a hotel in Rotterdam itself, is our original flagship, I would say. And that was the start of something special, the world cruises, the endless amounts of leisure and activity that is what we know for Holland America Line today. So to sum it all up, we started as a steamship company and then all the way through time, now Holland America Line, which is one of the best cruise companies in the world. I remember watching a video, it was a couple of years ago now, about the uh, the SS Rotterdam that you mentioned is in Rotterdam as a hotel mm-hmm. and talking about her career, how she was converted to a troop carrier and then uh, transported back to being uh, a true cruise uh, ship. And yeah, beautiful video. It really, really pulls up the heartstrings. If you have an opportunity to go visit the SS Rotterdam, no, we don't own it anymore, but you have that opportunity to go see classic cruise liners. And there are a lot of listeners I'd imagine out there that really go back to cruising 30, 40, 50 years ago, and remember sailing on those cruise liners. The cruise ships are incredible these days now, but think about back then how amazing that was. So yes, SS Rotterdam is home in Rotterdam. Great opportunity to go visit that ship and even stay on board for the overnight. Oh, you've got me, got me. It's been, just been added to the list for sure. <laughs> right, Exactly. <laughs> Now, I think I also saw on the socials just in the last day or so that the the Rotterdam Six just bid farewell to Rotterdam for the last time. Quite emotional. Yeah, Yeah, it was an emotional day for sure. Uh, Just recently, we said goodbye to Rotterdam Six. You know, it's funny. I will say to you that a lot of people, when we went from SS Rotterdam to the Rotterdam Six, uh, it it was one of those things where people were just like, oh, you know, I just don't know if I could love this ship as much (laughs) as the SS Rotterdam. And then the Rotterdam Six became such... Uh, an amazing vessel for us. And then when we have to get rid of this ship and we sold it to another cruise line with her sister, the Amsterdam, both of our flagships, then we go back to now, ooh, can I like the Rotterdam 7? And yes, you will (laughs) love the Rotterdam 7 just as you did the Rotterdam 6. But the Rotterdam 6 certainly holds a lot of special places in our heart. That's for sure. Um, Of course, leading the way for the R-Class that came out in the 1990s all the way until about 2000 with her latest sister ship, the the Amsterdam, and little subtle things that you would find on the Rotterdam 6 itself to overcompensate and to really enjoy what we have now in the Rotterdam 7. So yeah, it was an emotional uh, day. And a lot of people, a lot of Mariners came out uh, with masks, all waving goodbye to Rotterdam and her home sister sister city, Rotterdam. Uh, It was truly a remarkable sight for sure. Absolutely. And um, of course, it is just a natural evolution of, of, of cruising. Ships can't live on forever. There are other ships within the Holland America fleet. And as you mentioned, the new um, Rotterdam will be coming into service in the, the not too distant. But of course, there's lots of evolution that is taking place on board the existing uh, uh, ships. Uh, things like BB Kings and Music Boardwalk are, are relatively new introductions to the, the Holland America the entertainment schedule. Um, just talk us through some of the, the enhancements that have taken place over the past uh, couple of years. Sure. If you have not been on a Holland America line cruise, I would say within the last five to eight years, this is the time to enjoy Holland America line. And it's the reimagined Holland America line, if you will. We have added so many new features like BB Kings, which is just one of those enjoyable, fun, soul singing kind of evenings that you can have on board. You can dance the night away to some live music. We have other spots along our music walk, like the Rolling Stone Rock Room, where you can get some real old-fashioned rock and roll, again, all live. Billboard On Board, which is also a phenomenal, phenomenal place that you can get dueling pianos. And uh, it's a fun way to keep yourself entertained. And the fun part about our music walk is you won't have to miss everything. So if one venue is finished, Five minutes later, another venue, and you kind of do a big circle, if you will. So that's a really, really cool thing. You don't have to feel like you're missing out. Like when you go on other cruise lines, you're going to one show. I don't know if I want to miss out on another or I don't want to miss out another. The best part about the size of our ships is that you won't miss out on any of that action. So in turn, you can enjoy the entire music walk 
time and time again. And that's what makes our ships so special, including the new amenities. Some of our different restaurants that are on board that haven't been featured. Our pinnacle class of ships started with the Koningsdam in 2016, the new Stottendam in 2018, and of course the Rotterdam, which will be coming out in 2021, all having those features on board. And some of our other classes of ships, like our signature class, which is the new Amsterdam and the Eurodam, all having those extra keys on board in the sense that we have those billboard on board. We have the different features of the BB Kings. Um, even some of our older ships have some of the new features, and that's what makes it so incredible, including our, our most popular venue is Lincoln Center Stage. Have you heard of Lincoln Center Stage? I have, yes, yes, yeah, beautiful. It is absolutely phenomenal. It is something that you can take a symphony and bring it to sea. And we've taken the best from Lincoln Center and brought it on board. So you can get some absolutely incredible classical music on board our ships. Oh, sounds incredible. Am I right in thinking the, the traditional, what we think of as the, the show lounge with the traditional entertainment has kind of, we've moved away from that a little bit? I would say so, but we still offer that entertainment. We still offer some shows. There are a lot of our guests who still love that live theater, Broadway type of experience. And we do offer that. Um, we've scaled back just a bit, I would say, in that to offer uh, different choices. But I'd also say that all of our venues there are, you know, a little bit of classic cruising with a little bit of a new feel twist to them. It's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing that I think has always been a staple of any uh, ingredients on Holland America is, of course, the food. You have some yes. of the, the best food at sea. And if right now I could go anywhere in the world, I'd probably <laughs> just have spent the day in, Pin in um, Glacier Bay and uh, just heading to Pinnacle Grill for dinner. Uh, beautiful. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's no doubt about it. I know we were talking before the broadcast, and I think we both said to each other at the same time, we would just travel anywhere right now. <laughs> um, even a hamburger at the Lido just sounds to be amazing. Yeah. But as you mentioned, the Pinnacle Grill, which is the highlight of all of our ships and all of our ships having that Pinnacle Grill, which is that classic steakhouse uh, vibe. Um, absolutely amazing food. And what you pay, the surcharge, and of course it changes here and there, but what you pay for that is pennies to yep. what you would pay on land for that kind of cuisine. Absolutely. Now, one restaurant I've never tried, but I hear great things about is the Tamarind, the mm. kind of pan-Asian fusion. Have you yeah, dined there yeah. at all? I have dined there, and it's one of my favorite restaurants on board. I love Asian food, and we put a fun little twist to it. We've also added sushi bars to some of our restaurants. So what I like to do is kind of go to the sushi bar, have some sake and a nice little appetizer, and then I go sit down in the Tamarind itself. Crispy duck. That is some of my favorite dishes. I love that one, including the lamb. Um, I would say, and this is uh, this is a lot because I know in Australia, lamb is popular. Um, but I will also say to you that I don't think I've had it better than tamarind. <laughs> I'm going to try it again. Something else added to my list. <laughs> uh, back in the day when I, <laughs> I used to work for Holland America many, many, many moons ago, um, there used to be a, a saying that... Um, Obviously, Alaska is very, very important to, to Holland America line, but mm -hmm. uh, Holland America is the Heinz of salmon in that it can be prepared more than 57 different ways <laughs> and never have the, <laughs> the same. I uh, love that. I've never heard that. You know what? I'm going to steal. Is that okay if I steal that from you? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Absolutely. All right. No, that is so true. It's so true. You can have something a million different ways, but I like that. I like that Heinz and 57 uh, reference there. <laughs> now for australian travels we, we tend to travel a little bit further and a little bit longer than most um for for a long time the, the european collector's voyages which are those cruises of about 20-ish nights basically a couple of cruises put back to back never repeating or hardly ever repeating the same port of call um can you kind of explain how you know they're not going to see the same entertainment uh, they're going to have all, all of Europe on their doorstep. And uh, mm -hmm. I think I've probably just sold it already. But can you add anything to that? Because I think it is an incredible way to see Europe. It is. And, you know, I will say to you that if you can travel, the longer you can travel, the more you can see is really the best thing that you can do. Obviously, we have our grand voyages, which is the grand world that visits uh, different ports from all around the world. You start in Florida, you end in Florida 100 and something days later. We have our grand South America voyages. We have our grand Asia. We have our grand Africa but the collector's voyages are something that is unique. You get to stay on board the ship after one cruise and start with another. We tend to go to different ports and to different itineraries 
we'll have a seven night and then we might have another seven night. Say, for example, out of Amsterdam, we might go to one part of Norway and then the next cruise, you go back to the another part of Norway. And then the next cruise, we go yet to another part of the Baltic. So it really depends. And that's what's so fantastic about a collector's voyage. You get to put them together and you get to make them what you want, which is so phenomenal. And because you're in Australia and because you are flying so far, why not tack some additional uh, voyages onto one, say, seven-night voyage? You could do the same thing in Alaska. You could do the same thing in the Caribbean. The Caribbean is one of those places that I know a lot of Australians might want to get to, but they think it's a little too far away or each island is the same. I will say in the Caribbean, it's one of those places where you could hop on see the Eastern in seven nights, see the Western Caribbean in seven nights, and then maybe do a collector's voyage to the Southern Caribbean. So you could do one, two, or three of another. And as you mentioned, you get to stay on board, you unpack once, you have all of the Caribbean, you have all of Europe, you have all of Alaska at your fingertips. And that's the best way to see so much of the world in such a short time. I love, love Europe. I love Australia. And it's just, we're the same exact way where we travel, you know, the 14, 15 hour flights to get down to down under, if you will. And mm-hmm. we try yeah, to yeah. do those collectors voyages, just like you guys do when you come up to the Northern Hemisphere. Yeah, exactly. Let's just take a little look at some of those places in particular. You mentioned Alaska there. We've already said that it's very important. In fact, at one point, more than half the whole America fleet was based in Alaska seasonally. My favorite port of call is Skagway. Oh, um, I love- do you have a favorite port of call? I would say Skagway would be my favorite port of call. Haynes is also a phenomenal place. Sitka. If you have the opportunity to go to Sitka, Sitka is such a treasured place. It's an old Russian village that's set in Alaska. And the breathtaking scenery when you come in and out of Sitka is just truly unmatched. I do love the sail into Skagway. Absolutely phenomenal. A very, very small town. Sitka, of course, is just a little bit bigger than Skagway. And then we have Juneau and Ketchikan. But I would say, yes, Skagway is special to me, but Sitka is so fantastic. And Sitka is somewhere that you would go whether you cruise out of Seattle. And Skagway is somewhere that you would go if you cruise out of Vancouver. So your choices are there to leave in and out. And you could do do different itineraries, you know, between Vancouver, Canada and Seattle, Washington is only a couple of hours away. You know what, if you're adventurous, hop on in Seattle, then maybe take a a, a short bus ride up to Vancouver and hop on the next day and get to explore two great Pacific Northwest cities. Yeah. And of course, you own a lot of the infrastructure up in Alaska as well. Australians yeah. typically just do the seven night round trip Vancouver or Seattle, but you've got the rail cars, you've got the coaches, you've got the hotels, you've got the, the, the national park yeah. lodges. You can do Alaska in real detail if if you want to really scratch below the surface. You know what? We talked about the travel from Australia up to North America. And if you can do it and you have the time and you have the means to afford it, really, when you break it down, it is not as expensive as you might think it is. When you do the math and you take your airfare and you do a seven night cruise and that's all you do and maybe spend a couple days in in, uh, Canada or in Washington um, and then you go home. It's really just skimming the surface just a little bit. When you do the entire package and you're coming this far, really, really look into that because it's really a phenomenal thing that you can explore. Southeast Alaska, which is the spots that we go to, like Ketchikan and Juneau and Skagway and Sitka, Glacier Bay and Hubbard Glacier are phenomenal. But if you can get through the heart and soul of Alaska, being that we will take you into, by the way, a new port of call, which is Whittier, instead of... uh, Seward, we are now going to land in Whittier. And when you land in Whittier, you will then board a rail car with glass dome ceilings, and it's going to whisk you through Anchorage up into the heart of Alaska, which is Denali. You have our lodge, which is by far, and I'm not saying this because I work for Holland America Line, and I'm not saying this because I'm the brand ambassador, but it is true. There is nothing, nothing like our Denali experience. We have been cruising Alaska longer than it has been a state. And Mm -hmm. I will say to you that no one does it better than Holland America Line. We have in-depth research. We have in-depth places and and, uh, guides that will take you in and around Mount McKinley. Denali National Park is our home, and it is fantastic. You end up uh, ending your vacation up in Fairbanks, which is a great town. 
smack dab in the heart of Alaska, in the interior of Alaska. You get to see and go down the Chena River and then end your vacation there. Or you can continue that vacation, again, since you're coming so far, and head over to the Yukon. We are the only cruise line that goes to the Yukon. That's right, yeah. And the Yukon yeah. is a phenomenal place. And again, one that is like no other. So it really gives you the opportunity of seeing the Yukon and seeing Alaska in addition to a phenomenal cruise. And there are different ways. You could go on a three or four night cruise. You could go on a seven night cruise. It depends on what you pick and then extend your options there. Of course, your travel advisor, hollandamerica.com.au will have more information on that. Sure. Now, a little fact for you. I don't know if you know this. There's a little uh, vessel that used to be used by Holland America Line on the, the Yukon River called the Yukon Queen. Um, she oh. was actually built here in Fremantle, uh, which is where we're recording this from, oh, nice. um, and somehow found a way all the way to the, the Yukon Territory. Isn't that amazing? I mean, when you think about it, I mean, you're talking about all the way from Western Australia over to the Yukon. I mean, that's some yeah. serious mileage. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> Now let's head over to the Caribbean. You touched on this briefly. Um, yeah. I think for Australians, they don't really understand the difference between the, the West and the East and the South. Can you kind of give us a feel for what would happen in the, the West versus the East? And of course, the South is the, the true uh, version of the Caribbean, for, for want of a better word. Sure. I will say to you that there is no water like the Caribbean. Yes, you have the Great Barrier Reef. And yes, you have some amazing places um, in Australia and throughout the South Pacific. But I will say that the Caribbean water is truly, truly amazing. When you come into a Caribbean port and you can see all the way down to the bottom and you're talking hundreds of feet down, it's truly a marvel. The scuba diving and the snorkeling is like no other. So this is how I would look at the Caribbean. If you are an adventurer and you like to see a lot of history, I would go ahead and pick the Western Caribbean. The Western Caribbean would be like Cozumel, Mexico and Chichen Itza, Tulum. You'll see amazing Mayan empires and temples. You'll also see some incredible, incredible places throughout much of the Western Caribbean, like in Jamaica or like in the Grand Caymans. Um, really, Honduras and Belize has a lot of history in Central America. If you're into relaxing and you're into jewelry shopping, then I would say Eastern Caribbean would be for you. No place like the Virgin Islands. The powder sand is absolutely fantastic. And the beaches are far, far superior than some of the other places in the Caribbean. But I would say San Juan in Puerto Rico also has its history, but a lot of laid back charm feel. So again, St. John, St. Thomas, the Eastern Caribbean. The Southern Caribbean, if you are into relaxing, is just a little bit, I wouldn't say nicer, but I would say a little bit more exotic, less traveled places. So you're going to get a lot of ships. You're going to get a lot of people in the Eastern Caribbean. And that's going to be a typical seven-night itinerary that you find that's out of Florida. You're also going to see those seven, the Southern Caribbean, which is a taste of, say, Europe in the Caribbean like in Curacao in the Netherlands, you're going to feel like you're swept to Amsterdam, if you will, with the pastel homes and the row homes in Curacao. Aruba, you're going to feel that Dutch feel in Aruba as well. So I would say it's a lot of exploring in the Western, relaxing in the Eastern, and a lot of spoiled shopping and really exotic feels to the Southern Caribbean. And we haven't even touched on Half Moon Key. Okay, should I say? Oh my goodness. Half Moon is the best island in the Caribbean. It is your private playground only for Holland America Line guests. You are going to be swept away to your own paradise. And when I say own paradise, it's only our ship that's there. That's it. So when you think about some of our biggest ships that hold about 2,500 people, it's 2,500 people on an entire island. We're going to give you a beach barbecue. We're going to let you horseback ride in the ocean. We're going to have you sitting on the finest sand beaches that is in the Caribbean. We have the crystal clear waters. We have some amazing shore excursions that you can do. Scuba diving, snorkeling, the list goes on and on. And again, it's an oasis just for us at Holland America Line. One thing I love about Half Moon is the fact that it's not been overly developed. Some of the other private islands right. for other cruise lines yes. have become mini theme parks, which is yes. exactly the opposite of what Half Moon is. 
Right, absolutely. And that really states what our cruise line is all about. And there is a place for every cruise line. I will tell you that. There is a place for the rock climbing wells. There's a place for the go-karts. There's a place for the theme park, water park type of private islands. But when you come at Holland America Line, you are going to get the classic, the attention to detail, the ships that look and feel like ships. We own our ships. We deliver the real if that makes sense. And that's what you are going to get when you're at Half Moon Key too. Now, we've got a couple of uh, fast fire rounds. I'm going to give you a couple Ooh. of choices just straight okay. off the top. What, what is going nervous. to be your favorite? I'm a little nervous. <laughs> All right. Alaska or Canada, New England? Oh, Alaska. The Med or Northern Europe? Med. You've got to be careful with this next one. Australia or Asia? I'm going to say Australia. No, you know what? I spent my 40th birthday <laughs> in Australia. I was in Sydney. Oh, wow. My birthday's a Christmas. So I stayed for New Year's and it was it was phenomenal. Um, and Australia will always hold a special place to my heart. So I'm going to say Australia. I love it. I have a lot of exploring to do. <laughs> Stairs or elevators? Ooh, I'm going to go with elevators. As sad as that is. But yes, elevators. <laughs> Pinnacle Grill or Canaletto? I'm going to go with... Canaletto. And the reason why I'm going to go with Canaletto is because it is our secret Italian restaurant that a lot of people don't know about and might be put off by because it's in the buffet Lido area. And it's a sectioned off area that you'll find on all of our ships in the Lido. I am telling you what, it is some of the best food that we have on board. When you go on board and you go to Canaletto, you order the calamari. And you then get back to me and tell me it's not the best calamari that you have ever had in your life. I'm betting that. I'm betting that. So I'm going to go with Canaletto. Okay. I've just added that to the list as well. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> day at sea or day in port? Oh, day at sea. No doubt. Shore excursion or personal discovery? You know, I'm going to go with some shore excursions because we do it so well. And I love how we have so much and so much in the variety of shore excursions. I love to explore with the expert and we have so many experts that we contract with. So I'm going to go with shore excursions. Yeah, I think some destinations you really, really do need that shore excursion to, to mm -hmm. get the best of it. Especially uh, when you research the, right, and you research the port itself and say there are some safety things that you're concerned about, or maybe you're not as mobile as you might want to be. Why not do a shore excursion? You literally get taken care of from the second that you step off that ship until you're back. You don't have to worry about time. You don't have to worry about anything because when you are on a shore excursion that you purchase through Holland America Line, you have no worries in the world. And that's what I love so much about it. So that's why I picked shore excursion. Exactly. And uh, last fast fire, uh, Hubbard Glacier or Glacier Bay? Mm, Glacier Bay, for sure. Glacier Bay is uh, a place where not a lot of cruise lines go. And since we have cruised the Alaskan waters for so long, the state of Alaska has given Holland America Line rights to really cruise Glacier Bay more than any other cruise line. Um, and with that said, I would definitely say Glacier Bay because it's certainly a site um, that is absolutely, absolutely amazing. Especially when you see some of these glaciers caving or calving. Yep. Um, yep. It's, it's like no other. Yeah, and the interaction you get with the, the National Park Rangers and the commentary and explaining the, the geology and everything that's going on, it's, it's a great day. Indeed, indeed. Now, if we could go anywhere in the world tomorrow, where, where would be on your list to, to head off mm, to? You know, that is so hard. Um, I really would like to explore. There are two places, three places. Oh, my gosh, how can I even choose? Um, South America is definitely on the list uh, for sure. I would love to do the circumnavigation of Australia and Greece. Oh, yeah. You know, I have never done Greece. So many people have done Greece. I've done the Mediterranean. I just haven't been over to Greece yet. So Greece really is topping my list. South America for sure. And I would love to do circum circumnavigation of Australia. Start in Sydney, hit up the Gold Coast, head over towards your way and Fremantle, and then make our way down south towards Tasmania and then back through Melbourne and into Sydney. So that is one yeah, cruise right. that we're offering, I know, in uh, 2021, 2022, um, on the Osterdam, which is going to take the place of oh, And the Osterdam is a great ship, one of my favorite ships, and she's going to be home ported there in Australia. She's going to do that cruise, and I think it's going to be a fantastic one. So don't be surprised if you see me on board that ship. 
Okay, well, if you make it to Fremantle, look, look me up. <laughs> All right, I will. <laughs> I will. I will do that. But yeah, what about you? Where would you go? Oh, I'm a Europe boy at heart. I miss mm -hmm. Europe so much. Yeah. And it doesn't matter where in Europe, I could go anywhere in a drop of a hat. You know, yeah. I spent a lot of time in Spain and France and Italy over the years, but I'd go back tomorrow. I, I just love it all. Yeah. Just sit in a piazza or a square, yes. sipping coffee or a glass of wine, watching the world go by. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. I would say the most magical city I have ever been to is Venice. Okay, it's, yep, yep. It's magical. I mean, it is so magical that there are no cars, there are no vehicles. And when you step through and you go to the different piazzas and you have a glass of wine, you go to the next piazza, you have another glass of wine. And lucky for me, our ships are built right outside Venice in yep. Fincinteri uh, Yard, which is in Marghera, Italy, right outside Venice. So for me, I love going there. Um, I get to go there often because our ships are built there. So fingers crossed I can get there uh, in the not too distant future to see how our Rotterdam is, uh, is coming along. Well, a little tip, if you're there during northern summer, try and do a little um, self-drive boat. You can hire them for a, a couple of days. It's very safe. You don't need a boating license or anything. You just follow the canals, and you can you know, go to Murano, Burano, right into to Venice. And did it with a family, a multi-gen uh, holiday a couple of years ago, and it was magical. We did it before we got on a uh, Mediterranean cruise, and it really just started off the holiday in such a fabulous way. Wow. I love that. I love that. Yeah, well noted. For sure. <laughs> now, before we wrap up, have you got any messages for past mariners or guests that maybe you're looking at a Holland America cruise for the first time? Yeah, you know, I would say to our mariners, thank you for being so loyal. Thank you for being loyal in the time that we're in. Because our mariners are the heart and soul of what Holland America Line is all about. And we not only have a rich history with our ships and our cruise line, but we have a rich history with our mariners. And we have so many mariners who are so loyal to Holland America Line because of the service, because the attention to detail, and because we are a cruise line that gives you that cruise line experience. We don't have the glitz and glamour of some of the other cruise ships out there in the sense that we don't have the rock climbing. We don't have the you know, 20 foot tall atriums. We don't have that kind of thing. But what you're going to find on a Holland America Line cruise is service that is bar none. You are going to have cuisine that is bar none. You are going to have itineraries and explorations that are bar none. So for those mariners, thank you for sticking with us. And for our newbies out there, try Holland America. You have nothing to lose. We are a cruise line that is dedicated to delivering the real. We want you to savor the journey and that is our tagline, and that's what we are all about, to savor, to soak up the experiences that you are going to find around the world. And I will tell you, again, not just being the brand ambassador, but no one does it like we do at Holland America Line. Yeah, it's only got a special place in uh, in my heart. Now, before we let you go, um, obviously, being the brand ambassador, you've got your social pages. And if our listeners haven't found you already, I highly recommend they they head on to, to Facebook. You do some incredible things. I know you have your Tuesday quiz, which is uh, Wednesday morning our time quite early. But if people are up and about uh, early birds, they should definitely check you out. And I believe you've got another virtual cruise coming up as well. I do. Yeah. The virtual cruise is going to be through Norway. So if you've never experienced, Ooh. yes, if you've never experienced Northern Europe, you should definitely hop on as we start on August 16th, the welcome uh, to our virtual voyage. Uh, it's going to be on my page at Seth Wayne, Holland America Line. So that's Seth, S-E-T-H-W-A-Y-N-E, Holland America Line. And there you will get information on all of our cruises, especially this one, which starts the 16th of the U.S. So I'm going to go ahead and say the 17th for you guys in Australia. Mm -hmm. And there are so many different things that we're going to be doing that is Norwegian based for the week. We're also going to uh, um, be doing not only the trivia that you had mentioned, but I also host a talk show type of format called Hellaboard. And that is I'm taking you in the behind the scenes view of Holland America Line, where we deploy our itinerary experts. We talk to our interior designers. We talk to our entertainment team. We talk to so many people that give you the behind the scenes view and what itineraries that you need to book as well. So that's at Halliboard. And that is something that you can watch on my page. Even if you're not watching live, that's okay. You can go to my page and watch it taped. That's what we do every Thursday. So then airs on Friday in Australia. And again, just check out some different things that I have. A little bit of something for everyone. Again, it's at Seth Wayne, Holland America Line on Facebook. 
Brilliant. I will be sure to put the link in the show notes so that people can very, very easily find you. Um, Seth, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Really enjoyed chatting with you and uh, yeah, learning more wow. about all the various places we go to. Um, and seriously, when you do come back to Australia, do look us up. We'd, we'd love to uh, show you around our hometown. Um, thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your week, mate. You bet. Take care. Thanks. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.